Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. <laughs> Can Rebus? <laughs> Screw that guy. I'm not doing a special thing for him. The following podcast contains... Other trucker that hurt like a butt cheek on a stick. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you announced that thousands of people would be summarily discharged from the military in a tweet, what the holy fucking hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, July 28, 2017, my own personal Vietnam edition of the show, where we talk about what the trans band man can and cannot do. Stay tuned. What the hell were you thinking? Podcast is brought to you by the Mooch. Is your administration beset by people wanting to fuck with you? You got problems with nosy reporters? Maybe some people don't respect you like they should? You call the Mooch. You will make some fucking self-cocksuckers some offers they better not fucking refuse if they know what's good for them. The Mooch will arrange for things to happen, for people to, uh, you know, forget. Maybe some of your problems will just, um, I don't know, disappear. I mean, people just wander off sometimes, right? Know what I'm saying? The Mooch understands what loyalty means, and he will help others understand the cost of disloyalty. So, you got problems? You call the Mooch. Watch those problems go away. Permanently. We're all very different people. We're not Watusi. We're not Spartans. We're Americans. With a capital A, huh? You know what that means? Do you? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. We are the wretched refuse. We're the underdog. We're mutts. Here's proof. His nose is cold. But there's no animal that's more faithful, that's more loyal, more lovable than the mutt. Who saw Old Yeller? Who cried when Old Yeller got shot at the end? Nobody cried when Old Yeller got shot, I'm sure. I cried my eyes out. So we're all dog faces. We're all very, very different. But there is one thing that we all have in common. We were all stupid enough to enlist in the army. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Something seriously wrong with us. We're soldiers. But we're American soldiers. We've been kicking ass for 200 years. We're 10 and 1. There's no question the United States military is the most powerful war-fighting machine on Earth. We got more planes, ships, guns, bullets, missiles, bombs, and rolls of extremely harsh toilet paper than the next five nations combined. Although China is working hard to catch up, 
I mean, just last week, they deployed their Type 17 tactical sanitation roll, reportedly abrasive enough to strip the rust off the hull of Russia's most advanced warship. That's harsh. Yeah. And our military is also the most advanced bureaucratic agency ever invented. I know from experience. One cannot so much as withdraw a single square of our most advanced ass paper, the Mark 34 Block 7 Colorectal Sanitizer Air Force Type Quantity 1 Roll, color green, without the proper standard requisitions form, signed off by the NCOIC of Office Supplies, endorsed by the OIC of Latrine Maintenance, and approved by both the commander of the Supply Squadron and the group commander for shitters and showers. It is these incredibly Byzantine structures that make us the most feared fighting force in history. So, uh, Wednesday morning, when the commander-in-chief of the armed forces issued a sweeping personnel directive without warning, much less coordination, between his office and, services, and the services, it, uh, it upset the balance that keeps the military moving. It also uh, hurt a lot of feelings in the Pentagon. And that was just if those people charged with implementing the policy. Those affected by the policy also consider it very mean. But uh, they're still too shell-shocked by its sudden cruelty and utter pointlessness that they probably haven't processed that part yet. And that the policy was released not through the usual chains of command uh, via concise written directive issued from the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but through a social media platform that gave, <laughs> just gave it an element of viciousness that I usually associate with teenage girls destroying the self-esteem of a peer they find uncool. And I haven't even gotten to the policy yet. It seems, uh, it seems Trump doesn't want icky transgender people in uniform anymore. I think they're creepy. So uh, this is what went down, man. Uh, a guy who uh, never served a second in a uniform, if you don't count that time Putin made him dance in a bare head in a Soviet-era greatcoat, tweeted, After consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruptions that transgenders in the military would entail. Thank you. Guys, I swear to you, everything he said to is lies. Okay, first of all, let me start that it took nine minutes between the first half of that tweet saying that he was about to announce something and what he announced. And during those nine minutes, it was reported from multiple sources within the Pentagon that they were genuinely afraid that he might be ordering a nuclear strike through Twitter. And then now, let me just unpack all of the bullshit that was in that statement. He did not consult with his generals, unless he meant Dollar General, General Mills, and the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard, because the Pentagon reacted with an instant statement. The fuck is he talking about? Seeing as they were still working on the plan to manage the integration of trans troops. And not all of the generals are particularly against the ban of transgenders in the military. But being generals, they kind of felt like maybe it was their jobs to figure out the situation and uh, formulate the policy. Next, uh, I just want to be clear here. The United States government has accepted and allowed transgendered individuals to serve in the military since before there was a United States government. Because I promise you there was at least one person at Valley Forge that was hiding their birth gender from their fellow soldiers. Her name was Fred, and she fucking kicked ass. As to the uh, cost of transgendered service persons' medical treatments, the Rand Corporation, a nonpartisan think tank, 
although they're, they lean pretty right. Estimated a 0.13% increased cost between, say, 8 and $12 million annually. That's outrageous! I won't pay it! Oh, hold on, hold on, since your girdle, Myrtle. That seems absurd, I grant you. Until you put it in the context of the $84 million a year the military pays out for dick pills to help the flaccid members of military members come to attention. $46 million on Viagra alone. And as to the disruption caused by trans persons, there are already between two and 11,000 trans individuals currently serving in the armed forces, presumably without any major disruptions. I haven't heard of them. They've been serving openly since Ash Carter, the last legitimate president's secretary of defense, instituted a policy in January of 2016 allowing transgendered persons of the military to serve openly. That policy, in its full implementation, has been delayed. It was delayed in June of this year to allow Secretary Mattis and the Joint Chiefs of Staff to finesse the details. And to be fair, there are details to be finessed. I make no pretense of being an expert on human sexuality or the processes involved in gender reassignment, but looking at it from a purely force readiness perspective, meaning how will this impact Troop X's ability to do their job, I can see a point. Gender reassignment is a prolonged medical and psychological process. It could conceivably impact a person's ability to do their job. Gender reassignment surgery would remove a person from regular duty to re recover from an extensive medical procedure. Is it fair to ask a fellow service member to shoulder the responsibility of another while they go through the process? If the military allows this, could it open the door for persons with other medical conditions that might impact their ability to serve? One example that I saw mentioned was type 1 diabetics, who are perfectly healthy, but they need daily insulin treatment to keep themselves that way, which could be difficult in a remote duty position or in combat postings. That's a fair question. So, from a purely policy and practicality standpoint, Secretary Mattis wanted more information. Another perspective is the military does not allow members to get elective surgery. Meaning that I, say as when I was Senior Airman Bledsoe, I couldn't get liposuction surgery. Even though the military constantly told me, You are a disgusting fat body! God, my life would have been so much easier if they'd just let me slip in for a nip and tuck once every two years. I wasn't even fat. I was big boned. Still, no nose jobs, no boob jobs, even for your spouse. That one's been around for a long time. And no, and no, no matter what you might have heard, there was definitely no penis enlargement surgeries. I checked. For a friend. A very few go around this rule from time to time of convincing someone they qualify and finding a military plastic surgeon who needs to practice their skill. So it can happen, but it happens very rarely. I mean, there's always a way around these things if you can prove a medical necessity. Leaving us to ask a fundamental question, is gender reassignment surgery a medical necessity? As a cisgendered heterosexual male who comfortably conforms to their birth genders, no, I really don't need gender reassignment surgery. I'm pretty okay with having everything that I was born with. But uh, for someone whose life is deeply impacted by gender dysphoria, I rather fucking think it's a medical necessity. But none of that has fucking all to do with a little executive tweet on Wednesday. 
That was about deflection, distraction, and appeasing the far-right Congress critter that Crane crying to their orange daddy that, me know Paul Rudd won't let us get our hay down. <laughs> a week ago, the House GOP T-Tards tried to reenact the ban on trans in the form of a budget amendment barring transition surgery. Representative Vicki Hartzler from some fucking shithole state in the South or Midwest or where the fuck this evil person came from introduced the amendment because she's desperately afraid that a trans person might be in the bathroom with her and was shot down because, frankly, Paul Ryan is way too fucking busy trying to shove her budget through where rich people can buy a new yacht on tax savings to get tangled up with Jesus freaks and their obsession with transgenders. Look, the man is busy. And his party just lost an incredibly embarrassing healthcare fight. So he's concentrating on things, and your crazy little ideas are very distracting. Show a little respect, Republicans. But because mean old Paul Ryan said no, Vicky knew that President... I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and depression of a hateful foreign ideology. Trump. Although, to be fair, he said hateful and oppressive foreign ideology. He didn't say anything at all about hateful and oppressive domestic ideologies. So these God-bothering shit bricks who went crying to the tangerine twiddler claim they only wanted to bar transition surgery from being funded, not the outright banning of trans service members because that would be insulting to the military even though they're godless heathens and they should really be killed and definitely not allowed to serve. But really, they just want to the surgery ban. But their rhetoric falls flatter than Eric Trump's ass in ill-fitting khakis. A ban is what they've got, or presumably will get, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. So, on July 26th, the President of the United States issued via a medium, previously reserved for pithy observations about escaped llamas or animated images of cartoon characters expressing dismay over a show with dragons and tits, an edict depriving Americans of their rights and directing their termination without cause from the United States military in an act of stunning discrimination on the anniversary of one of the most pivotal moments in American civil rights history. Which brings us to the way back. Find your way back. Find your way back to her heart. Find your way back. Find your way back. July 26, 1948, President Harry S. Truman, pressured by civil rights activist A. Philip Randolph, signed Executive Order 9981, officially ending segregation in the United States Armed Forces. It read, quote, It is hereby declared to be the policy of the President that there shall be an equality of treatment and opportunity for all persons in the armed forces without regard to race, color, religion, or national origin. It ordered the United States military to completely integrate African Americans into traditionally segregated units and to open all roles and positions in the services to any man of any race, including removing the restrictions on black officers commanding white troops and allowing black troops in combat positions. The order uh, caused some consternation. Burn it! Georgia Senator Richard B. Russell, a Democrat because Democrats at the time were Republicans, attempted to introduce legislation allowing draftees to choose whether or not they would serve in integrated or segregated units. 
Sure, sure, I bet the good folks in the South or the North or just fucking anywhere in America would line up to serve with people they barely considered human. Probably. Not. <laughs> you join the military? You don't get to choose shit, folks. Not where you serve, not what you do, and definitely not who you do it with. I mean, God knows there was a lot of fucking people that I didn't want to serve with. God, some assholes. Not you guys if you served with me, because if you're listening to my show, we're cool. No, no, it doesn't work like that, because if it did, no one would do the shit jobs that really need to be done. Like, I don't know, digging the shit trenches for people to poop in, or that job where they fucking shoot at you all the time. The U.S. military did not want to integrate their forces. The generals fully believed it would hurt their ability to fight a war, even if those officers and those generals knew that African-American soldiers were in every way as brave, capable, reliable, and competent to serve, including officers who commanded all black units in World War II and did not want to mix the races because of how the troops would react. Nothing but decency and compassion. <laughs> no, 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 they, they feared rage and rebellion. The officers did everything they could to slow walk, deter, and to defeat the executive order. Army Chief of Staff General Omar Bradley, like the good general from the war, stated that desegregation will come to the army only when it becomes a fact for the rest of American society. That shit still hasn't happened. There were commissions, committees, studies, test projects, reports, memorandum, and scribbles written on toilet paper to deny and delay the process as long as humanly possible. And it took until 1954 to achieve 95% integration of the services and the dissolution of the last officially all-black units. And the military was dragged kicking and screaming into modernity. Not so you'd really notice it, of course. Just sort of on paper. How did this even happen? How did this idea begin to percolate that maybe they should do this? Well, the real kick in the racist crotch of the segregated military came during the Battle of the Bulge in the World War II, when black soldiers volunteered to serve as infantrymen, something they were denied, and they helped stop the German offensive. After the battle, the army surveyed the troops and found, quote, by the time the German offensive had stopped, prejudices had broken down among the racially mixed units. When white troops had first heard about the plan for integrated troops, 64% admitted they were skeptical. However, after fighting with black soldiers, 77% said that their attitude towards integration was highly favorable. Furthermore, blacks as combat soldiers had, quote, fared brilliantly, unquote. It took a hard press to overcome the resistance of Southern Democrats who had vehemently fought against anything that would improve the status of African Americans. A. Philip Randolph pushed for the move with the president saying, quote, Negroes are in no mood to shoulder a gun for democracy abroad so long as they are denied democracy here at home, unquote. The whole topic is bigger than a way back can handle, but it is ironic allegory that Trump would issue the ban on the day of Truman's executive order. But hey, why should I tell you all of this when I can let Admiral Fitzwallis from the best presidency we all never had explain it to you perfectly? You just don't want to see them serving in the armed forces. No, sir, I don't. Because they pose a threat to unit discipline and cohesion. Yes, sir. That's what I think, too. I also think the military wasn't designed to be an instrument of social change. Yes, sir. Problem with that is, that's what they were saying about me 50 years ago. Blacks shouldn't serve with whites. It would disrupt the unit. You know what? It did disrupt the unit. The unit got over it. 
The unit changed. It took decades for the military to even approach a homogenous culture. I mean, we like to say in the Air Force that there was no black and there's no white. There was only blue. <laughs> there was totally black and white. I mean, even today, there are fewer black officers proportionally than there ought to be. And incidents of racism happen constantly. But institutionally, you know, on paper, the armed forces are officially colorblind and achieved that way ahead of the country as a whole. I mean, while the country was rolling during the turmoil of the civil rights movement, a young black man could go to Vietnam and die right alongside a young white man and in a greater percentages of their representative population because not as many black men could afford college or to get a deferment. Like, say, uh, I don't know, bone spurs. Forgotten a social disease. It it is a dangerous world out there. It's it is scary. It's like Vietnam, sort it, of like you know the it Vietnam is. era. It is your personal Vietnam, isn't it? It is my personal. It is. You've Vietnam. said that many I times. Feel like a great and very brave soldier. A lot of guys who went through Vietnam came out unscathed. A lot of guys uh, who've gone through the eighties having sex with different women uh, came out with AIDS right, and all they, kinds of they things. They survived Vietnam. This and they is got better than Vietnam, but war. it's uh, the transition to an all volunteer military has shifted the dynamics of service. Gone are the days where rich people had to buy their way out of service. Now they can just. Uh, you know, not sign up. No money needed. If an American feels called to serve their country for whatever reason, say they smoked too much weed in high school and might have slept through their SAT exam. I got stoned and I missed it. I got stoned and I missed it. I got stoned. Not that I knew anyone like that. They could just head on down to the recruiter's office and sign up. In exchange for their service, they get a paycheck and a 10% discount at Denny's. I mean, it seemed like, uh, like a sweet deal. Over the years, we've expanded the roles that Truman laid out in that first executive order. We allowed African American to serve to in any capacity and even command troops. Then we allowed women to serve in ways other than just bringing us coffee or healing our wounds or ferrying our warplanes across the Atlantic. Eventually, we even got to the point that we said, hey, you can die in combat too, just like a white guy. You must be so happy. We allowed gays to serve in the military, and then about 20 years later, we allowed gays to serve in the military while actually being gay. And then, now, we are at the transgendered persons. All that any of these people, from the first black soldier to the trans soldier today, ask in return is that they are treated with the same dignity and respect as their peers. Well, that and 10% off of Moons over Miami at Denny's, because it's a really tasty sandwich. Sourdough and ham and egg. Oh, God. I really miss Denny's. I don't get it. A tiny fraction of troops happen to be people who are transgender. Why should we treat them any differently than any other person willing to sacrifice themselves to serve the nation? A lot of people, shitty, shitty people, mind you, said that blacks would never be able to equal them in the military, that blacks were too stupid or cowardly to be part of dying for their country, then women were too weak or too precious to serve, and then too weak or too precious to serve in combat, gays would never be tolerated in the ranks and freak out the homophobes who were terrified that they might catch the gay from someone and wake up with a sudden urge to put a penis in their mouth. Because I know it's, it, it could happen. We've heard this time and time again, and each time was proved to be wrong. Not only wrong, but embarrassingly wrong. Now the same people are using the same tired arguments against the latest boogeyman. What? Oh yeah, you're right, Gavin. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Boogie person. I can't say definitively if I ever served with a transgendered airman during my time. Hell, I was shocked to my court when one of my best friends came out to me as gay at a time that that could end his service. 
Remember Don't Ask, Don't Tell? Well, when he told me, I could have gotten him in some real trouble. I didn't for the same reason that I wouldn't have talked about someone who was secretly living as another gender after work. Didn't fucking matter. What mattered was if shit happened, and as a cop, shit could and did happen, they were there for me the same way that I was there for them. If I was getting my ass whipped by some big-ass marine in a Korean juicy shack, which happened often, I don't care if you're a man, woman, gay, trans, or thought Vanilla Ice was a good musician. Just save my ass. And you know what? I'll do the same for you. Transphobia seems to be a condition that's unique and endemic among a very specific set of people. Dishbag. Well, yes, but no. It seems to afflict exclusively the sort of people who believe in a peculiar kind of Jesus. The kind of Jesus that is very, very angry that people are doing things with their girl and boy parts that does not conform to his very strict rules of what should be done with their girl and boy parts. I mean, he's very clear. No boy-boy parts, part, parts touching, no girl-girl parts touching, and definitely no switching the parts he gave you at birth. This uh, hetero-Jesus cannot tolerate all of this modernity and the idea that men and women could be mixing themselves up because then he would be forced to confront that one time he got a hard-on when Luke was bathing in the Sea of Galloway, Galilee. And there's no way that hetero-Jesus can be a homo. Just no fucking way. Hetero-Jesus has lost all of his battles and will eventually wake up with a penis in his mouth that he asks to be there. But until then, he keeps needing to find new people to deflect his guilt and grief upon because he can't accept himself. If the gays are suddenly allowed to be okay, because as Chris Rock says, Because everybody in this room got at least a gay cousin. Then you switch to trans people who are really, really rare, so they're easy to demonize, easy to consider dangerous, and easy to rile the ignorant up with. Hetero-Jesus needs an enemy because he cannot keep the pressure on his idiot followers. He cannot maintain control of his flock or his throbbing cock when Matthew wears that short robe and kneels before him to take communion. The reason conservatives are fighting this battle, it's because they have to have an enemy. They think they can beat a totem to whip up the mouth-breezing masses. The reason Trump is perfectly happy to use trans people because it's really, really, really easy and he really really needs the distraction. In his little tweet, which is not an executive order, it doesn't have the force of a weak fart when it comes to being implemented without further directives, serves as gobs of raw red meat to both the right and the left. Neither one of us can resist charging in and attacking, given the fat bass bag fuckwad in the White House a breather while he has the mooch get rid of his enemies and he can finally fire Robert Mueller. So that's what this is about. That's what everything is about for Trump. For Ryan and McConnell, it's about getting off their asses so they can figure out a way. Well, they sort of lost that one, but now they'll figure out a way to fucking repeal health care through tax reform so they can kill millions of poors. And I'm not saying it is important that it isn't disgustingly petty to move against people who've done nothing more than selflessly dedicate themselves to the service of our country. They're not using as a military as a vessel to pay their medical bills because no one, and I mean no one, will go through the kind of shit you go through in the military, risk the ridicule and ostracization that comes with being trans, all to save some money on operations. There's other ways to get it that don't involve you spending a year in fucking Afghanistan. So you know what? How about leaving these people alone? 
particularly if you've never served a fucking day in uniform, you pathetic prick motherfucking bone spurs my ass. I'd like to take those bone spurs and shove them up your ass. If you happen to be a veteran who is deeply concerned about this issue, let me reassure you, this has nothing to do with you. Not going to lose anything because someone gets hormone shots or even has their plumbing rearranged. You can still head down to the VA anytime you want and get your pills for the back that you threw out playing softball in England in 1983 or have a specialist look at your knee because you tripped over a bar stool in Songtan, South Korea in 1991 and somehow managed to get that classified as a service-related injury. In my defense, very drunk when I fell over or maybe off that stool. So unless you personally are transgendered, and are upset that you might have gotten your treatment through the military, which you served decently and faithfully, and now it's too late? Shut the fuck up and leave these people alone. If you are trans and missed your chance, you can be pissed, because that would honestly suck. If you happen to be a U.S. politician using an American service member of any stripe to pursue your personal objective of denying rights to other Americans or any Americans, I suggest you shut the fuck up. Or better yet, why don't you pick up an N4 and head over and fight the fucking war yourself? Then maybe a trans person will drag your ass out of the line of fire and you might realize when bullets are flying, no one gives a good fuck who saves their ass. They only care that someone did. Or, in your case, more likely, I hope that when you are choking on a hot dog during a campaign event at the state fair, that the EMT that saves your life is trans and doesn't give a shit what a petty, vindictive shit he'll prick. You really are. That is it for our show this week. We're back in the current events hole and so much is happening right now. I can't even keep it straight. I mean, they fired fucking Rhines today. Oh, fuck. It's just been too goddamn crazy. I mean, we did the healthcare and then healthcare died. Wait. Gavin, is, is healthcare still dead? Oh, God, thank God. Because I really don't want to deal with his back acne. If you would like to keep on the current events of this show, follow it the hell underscore podcast on Twitter or the show name on Facebook. You really should rate and review this show. It helps others find it and supports a veteran. And you want to support veterans, right? I mean, if you want to thank me for my service, give me five stars on Apple Podcast. For me, Dave Bledsoe, the gender static producer Gavin, and all the other fictional soldiers, sailors, and airmen on this show, we want to say some folks are born made to wave the flag, and others are born in a body that is fundamentally different than what they should have been born in, and they deserve our respect and compassion. We'll see you all next week. Balancing the Scales, with your host, Stephen with a PH for legal reasons, Ben. Oh, oh, my back is killing me. I think I threw it out leaning forward like that. Where the fuck are my pills? Oh, god damn it. I'm so fucking stressed out right now, I can't even tell the fentanyls are working. Who the fuck is a Scaramucci fuck? Did you hear what he said about me? About me sucking my own cock? Steven with a PH Bannon does not suck anyone's cock, much less mine. I mean, have you seen me? 
That fucking Dago faggot with his fancy suit and swept back hair. I will personally go down to his office and kick his ass. And what the fuck is Don doing messing around with my joy, Jeff Sessions? I go on one little bender for a week or two, and I sober up and climb out of a dumpster, and this fucker has gone off the rails again. And then that little heeb cock Jaren throwing people under the bus. Hey, you fat drunk fuck. You want a piece of the mooch? What the fuck? Where the fuck is my gun? You want a piece? I, yeah, I want a piece of the mooch. Then get your cock out of your mouth and come on. This has been Fulcrum, an objective view of right-wing politics. From the producers of the What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast and Fast Eddie's Podcast Hut Podcast Network. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.